Hey Ian. Hey Mandana. Hola. Guten Tag. Buongiorno. Konnichiwa. Hello. And hola to Brazil and howdy to Texas. Howdy to Texas. What time is it, babe? The current time is 781-576 and we are approximately 4,500 blocks since our last recording. And why has it been so long since we last recorded? Life. I don't know. Life happened. Life happened. Life's been happening, but life arrived, I guess, three weeks ago now? Yes. So we hired the first employee of the podcast. <laughs> you guys might not have known. You definitely didn't know. But Mondana has been pregnant most of the time that we've been doing this podcast. So oh, that's true. I didn't think about it that way, but that is very true. Yeah, the entire time we've been doing this podcast, Mondana has been pregnant. No, we started the podcast in January last year. Mondana has been pregnant while we've been doing this podcast. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I've been pregnant forever, um, but I had the baby a few weeks ago, and it's very sweet that some of our listeners have been worried about us because <laughs> we haven't put out an episode, but we've been a little busy. Um, but it's exciting to be recording again. Yeah, it seems like we went into the we went to the emergency room and everything just happened. <laughs> like, did, yeah. Everything that we've been saying was going to happen happened pretty much the day we went to the hospital. So yeah, what a time to not be uh, recording the pod, but baby took precedent. That's why we haven't been around. We're okay. It's good news. It's great news. It's good. I'm good. Baby's great. Ian's a great dad. Um, so yeah, we've been doing really great. We've been enjoying our, our baby boy and it's been a lot of fun. It's been work, but it's not so bad. It's as hard as expected. Yeah. No, well, you no, s- no more, no less. You said it. You said, you know, it's more tedious than hard sometimes. Yeah. You know, like changing a diaper and changing his clothes and then picking him back up. And listening to him just take a crap all over again. Yeah, and having to do all that all over again. Yeah, it's like, I just look at him and laugh. Like, all right, like, yeah. I don't have anything else going on. He's so cute. What are you going to do? How are you going to be mad at that? Yeah, he's lucky he's cute. He's so cute. He looks just like Ian. And if you, for y'all who don't know, Ian's very cute. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not upset that he looks nothing like me. So yeah, it's been kind of a haze since the baby came. I lose track of what day it is how many days it's been i'm i think more in like a mind haze mental bubble than ian is right like you are still following what's going on in the outside world me not so much i don't really have a lot of stuff to follow so Mm -hmm. the stuff that i follow is like it comes to me right yeah but no it's been i've definitely like for the past three weeks i've it's been challenging to follow everything that's been going on Mm -hmm. um normally i would sit and watch a bunch of youtube and watch like five different versions of the same analysis to kind of get my that's true my thoughts around it and really i've just been relying on like a few people that i kind of usually agree with and just go what did they say about this (laughs) you know and it's less in real time i assume and more like reactive yeah like the other day there was a twitter spaces um which is like clubhouse yeah yeah um but it was like all of the bitcoiners were in there talking about what was going on and so i actually I actually signed into that. I don't normally go to the Twitter spaces, mm-hmm. but um, I went to that one. And this is cr- like kind of getting into the podcast, uh, you know, what this podcast is about. Like what's been going on is actually very crazy. Like if you if you were to just watch the news, 
air quotes here. Mm-hmm. If you were to just watch the news, it would sound like, oh, something bad happened, but we fixed it. Mm-hmm. But that's not what's happening at all. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because I haven't been kind of like following it as closely as I normally would have, I kind of assumed like, oh, that wasn't a big deal. Like it got solved. It's not as a big deal as, as I thought it was at first glance, but as like it's been slowly unraveling, actually a lot worse than it looks on the surface. Is it something that we should be worried about? Um, you and I? Yeah. Like, spoiler alert, our net worth <laughs> is not that great that the FDIC wouldn't insure it, right? Oh, that's, a good, that's a good example, right? We use a bank, obviously. Right. I know it's a sh- it's shameful, but it's right? true. <laughs> we have to we have to hold our fiat somewhere. We use more than one bank, but yeah, yeah. But we we, we use banks, right? <laughs> Plural, whatever. And we have to hold our fiat somewhere. Yeah. And so, like you know, because it started with Silvergate. So Silvergate was like a crypto friendly bank, and they were doing some shady stuff with FTX. So it was like, oh, the the crypto scam has breached itself into the banking system, mm-hmm. right? And Silvergate went down. Everyone was like, see, that's why we don't want crypto. Yeah. Then after that, it was Silicon Valley Bank. Now, Silicon Valley Bank was not doing anything shady with FTX, as far as we know. They were not in any crypto scams, as far as we know. The reason why Silicon Valley Bank fell apart is a purely banking situation. But Silicon Valley Bank, which I learned through all of this, was the first bank that offered Coinbase banking like on-ramps. What does that mean? So, like, Coinbase is going to sell me Bitcoin, right? But I have to move my dollars into Coinbase to make that purchase. Mm-hmm. And so without a banking partner, because Coinbase isn't a bank, without a banking partner, you really couldn't buy and sell Bitcoin at all. So Silicon Valley Bank, uh, according to, uh, I forget who I saw who said this, but um, Silicon Valley Bank was one of the first people to offer Coinbase that banking partnership so that you could buy and sell on Coinbase. Now, if you're looking at the surface, you would say, oh, that's just a coincidence, right? But if you go a little bit deeper, I would argue that like Silvergate, Silicon Valley Bank, and then this other third bank that got shut down really fast called Signature Bank, they were all crypto-friendly banks, But the Silicon Valley one, um, the reason why they are having problems is purely a banking issue. It's not a crypto issue. So I was like not worried about our bank because I was like, well, that has nothing to do with our bank, Mm -hmm. right? But then when I looked at what was actually happening at Silicon Valley, my reaction was, well, how many other banks have that problem? Is the bank called Silicon Valley? It's called Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon Valley. Oh, sorry. Um, so, yeah, it's just a bank run, right? Um, it's a bank run. That could happen to any bank. The bank run could happen to any bank. But it was very easy to happen to Silicon Valley Bank because what had happened is that they had purchased a bunch of long-term uh, assets, mm-hmm. right? Mortgage-backed securities. Who would have thought? Mm-hmm. Um, so they bought these like these products that were going to mature in like 10 years. You don't really plan to touch them for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And if you touch them before the 10 years, there's a penalty. They bought those with all of the deposits from all of the startups because the majority of their customers were startups. Mm-hmm. So all these startups that got funded, all of them just deposited their money into Silicon Valley Bank. So Silicon Valley Bank got a bunch of deposits 
from startups and they were sitting on a pile of cash and they needed to do something with it. And they chose to buy these long duration products. But then when the bank run happened, they had to sell something Mm -hmm. to give people their cash. The something that they went to sell was these long duration things. They were going to take a penalty for Mm -hmm. selling them early and they were going to sell some stock in their company to make up the difference of that penalty and get everyone their money. While they were doing that, everyone's freaking out. Like, I got to get my money out of the bank because, like, it's not only the the people that have their money at the bank, but it's the investors in the companies that had their money at the bank were telling them, telling all their companies they invested in, get your money out. Again, this wouldn't have been bad. None of this would have been bad still because they could have raised the money and everything would have been made whole. But while they were doing that was when Signature Bank was collapsing. So everyone was like, no. We won't even give you the money to plug that hole. And that's why Silicon Valley Bank. So what? Once I understood like the the technicals of how Silicon Valley Bank works, I just went and applied it to our bank. And? We're okay? No. Yeah, that's what I thought. Right? So like someone put the list together. I couldn't find it before we started recording. But like someone put a list together of all the other banks that kind of fell into this same problem. Mm-hmm. Our bank is on that list. Are there banks who aren't on that list? Most banks are on that list. Yeah. It really is not a matter of, is my bank safe? It's really a matter of, <laughs> you know, why is it that all of these banks aren't safe? Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because back in 08, the federal government decided these four banks, Wells Fargo, JP Morgan Chase, Citibank, and Bank of America, they were too big to fail. And if you're not one of those four, you're probably on that list. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple, right? One of the banks on there, well, a few of the banks on there, they have been in the business of car loan. They have like their banking part of their company and they have like their auto loans part of their company. Well, we haven't even talked about this on the podcast, but like the car market and the used car market and all the stuff that's going on there is like worse than what's going on in the housing market. Mm-hmm. And so all of those auto loans are bad. Yeah. And eventually... I saw a piece on that like years ago that said that's the next crash. It's not housing. It's going to be auto loans. So like the car problem is just a subset of like the overall problem. And COVID just made it worse because it jacked up the prices of all those cars for like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And people still needed cars. So they were willing to overpay or whatever to get these vehicles And then when everything got back to normal, it was like, wait, I'm like $20,000 upside down on a Honda Civic? Mm -hmm. Like, how'd that happen? Mm -hmm. I didn't need a car that bad. The problem is systemic because, like I said, there's like 180 other banks that fall into this same category. The reason why I'm not saying any of their particular names is because, like, it doesn't really matter what the name of the bank is. If it's not J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, or Citibank, what are you going to do? What's happening right now is that people are realizing, if I don't have my money in one of those four banks, and I'm not talking about like the stupid people out in the world, I'm talking about the people that have money. Yeah. They're looking at what's going on and realizing, if I don't have my money in one of those four banks, I might go to sleep on Friday and wake up on Monday and not be able to get my money. So any one of those banks could have a run on it. When enough of their clients make that decision to move their money. But up until up to a certain amount, it's insured, so to speak. Before last Friday, everyone who had $250,000 or less mm-hmm. was insured. Yeah. 
after last Friday, apparently everyone's insured. Yeah, I saw Biden made that announcement. And so, like, when I say this is like worse than it appears, is that fundamentally they just nationalized the banks. Mm -hmm. In 08, people were protesting, you know, Occupy Wall Street. They were protesting the banks and the government. But really, like, how is it that you guys basically got away with this crime mm-hmm. of but you didn't really have you didn't have any way to fight back you didn't have an option like oh, i'm gonna put my money in a different banking system that doesn't allow this mm-hmm. the same thing is happening right now different reasons why but the same thing is happening right now and now there's an alternative and that's what this podcast is about is that alternative you know i was saying this to my dad the other day like it really sucks what happened i mean technically no one's really i mean hurt is a relative term but no one's been hurt. Um, everyone got their money out or was able to get their money out. But the people that it happened to, that was like the worst group of people that it could have happened to if you were trying to like suppress the adoption of Bitcoin. Because you just scared the crap out of a bunch of Silicon Valley tech CEOs. <laughs> yeah. And fundamentally, like they might have been dismissing Bitcoin and laughing at it. But I know that every single one of those companies has one Bitcoiner in the back of the room that's like, uh, this would have never happened with Bitcoin. So, uh, so has anyone come out and said like, damn, I get Bitcoin now? You know, I haven't been following it that closely. And I don't think that you're going to see any of that this year mm-hmm. before the Bitcoin conference. But I'm willing to bet that next year's Bitcoin conference or even maybe the next Bitcoin conference, which is like in November, I think mm-hmm. there's going to be somebody that was like, I didn't get it. Then that happened. And now we're doing the Michael Saylor playbook, which is we keep our company's cash reserves out of the banking system. And there was a really good, um, there's a really good write-up that I saw, which had nothing to do with Bitcoin, but it shows how close a lot of these CEOs are to like getting Bitcoin. And so there's this company called Rippling. Um, they do like uh, HR software. And like payroll and stuff like that. They had their money in Silicon Valley Bank, right? But it's not just their money. Because they pull money from all these other companies and then pay out a bunch of employees. Mm -hmm. So SVB gets crashed. And while that's happening, Rippling was like, oh crap. We have to still make payroll. They had already taken a bunch of money from people. So what they did, and I'm not getting into the details too much, but like, they reprogrammed their system to use JP Morgan Chase as their new payments provider to pay people instead of Silicon Valley Bank. But they still needed money to pay those people. And they couldn't get the money that was in Silicon Valley Bank. So Rippling went out and like borrowed, I think it was like $500 million Jeez. to be able to make payroll. And they're, I'm just paraphrasing here, but it's like, you know us, we're Rippling. Uh, we have a business. It has a cash flow. Yeah. Our money's locked up in that bank. You see what's going on in the world. Yeah. You know we're good for it. We've been running this business for, for years, mm-hmm. right? Um, if, you, if you would loan us the money, I will gladly pay you back later once this banking situation is solved. I don't know if they like took the loan or if they eventually just got their money out. It doesn't really matter. The point is is that they saw the writing on the wall and they moved, they moved away from JP Morgan. I'm sorry. And they were moving away from SVB to J.P. Morgan Chase, but they still couldn't access their money. And what I'm saying is that the reason why that story is so so on point to Bitcoin is that 
fundamentally, that money that was sitting in Silicon Valley Bank that got locked up, like that money should have been sitting in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Because what that means is that if it's sitting in Bitcoin, you can always make payroll. No one can ever lock that up where you can't make payroll. So when you pull all this money from everybody, if you leave it in any bank, it's still the same problem of, hey, I need my money. Nope, not today. Yeah, but do you think that if people kind of get away with, well, it's not get away with, but if there aren't true consequences to what this happens, if it's just a week or two or lag of access to money as they're moving to another bank and the government's giving them the money that SVB lost for them, that people are going to learn their lesson? Or are they going to say, well, we'll, we'll always be okay. Like the federal government's going to jump in and help us. So this is what I was, what I was getting back to, like they nationalized the banks. So, you know, they're not going to make that statement at a press conference right? We nationalized the banks. Don't worry about it. But fundamentally, that's what happened when they said all deposits are insured. Mm -hmm. The people that are running these banks are suffering consequences now. Like if you were a shareholder of SVB, you're wiped out. Yeah. And I saw in that announcement, it was like the investors aren't getting their... their, Right. they, 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 They took a risk and this is the consequence of that risk. Right. But the depositors have no consequences. Right. And this is, I think, a debate that I haven't really seen a lot in what I've been watching. But part of the reason why, you know, why we Bitcoin and, you know, why I stopped playing the stock market game and all of that stuff is like, you're just expected to know too much. Yeah, I like Tesla and I like seeing all the manufacturing and technological breakthroughs that Tesla's making. And I can follow all of that. But like, at the end of the day, if Elon goes on TV and says, I'm murdering puppies for breakfast, like none of that engineering... And you've been too busy changing diapers that morning, so you missed the announcement. Exactly, right. So like... (laughs) That's your new reality. So like, one single person can totally affect, and one single action or statement can totally wipe out any like knowledge advantage that I have over what this company is doing. But when it comes to stocks, it's like, you're making an investment... And, you know, you're expected to do your own research with this Silicon Valley bank and like this banking situation is like, am I supposed to do my own research on which bank I put my money in? Like, is that the expectation that I should be reading the soundness of a bank before I decide to open a bank account with them? Because that's never been the expectation. You don't think that was the expectation like a hundred years ago? So this is my point. You know, the bank runs that we saw that you see like the old black and white photos of, Mm -hmm. right? There was a Federal Reserve then, Mm -hmm. right? But Federal Reserve is relatively new. Yeah. And the idea of like there's somebody that can loan to a failing bank so that it doesn't fail. You know, this is like the second one that America's had. The first one didn't really work. You know, and then people elected a president to get rid of it. When there's no backstop, that I think, yes, the expectation is which bank you have your money in, you need to be researching the same way you would research a stock. Mm -hmm. But today, after they've basically nationalized the banks, they're almost saying, like, it doesn't matter which bank you put your money in. Don't worry about it. You're covered wherever you are because there is an alternative now. Because if you didn't trust any of those 180 banks that, that, you know, people have been doing research on and figuring out, it's not like in 2008 where they're like, what are you going to do? Oh, so you think they're only doing this because they're threatened by Bitcoin? Yes. Ah, okay. Yes. The threat is, as a United States citizen, it's very challenging for me to open a bank account in Europe, even though we're allies and friendly and all that fun stuff. Because at the end of the day, you kind of have to be a resident of a certain geographical location to open a bank account in a certain banking system, especially as an individual. But as a corporation, you can open a bank account in almost any jurisdiction 
as long as you meet the certain criteria. But I can't just open a European bank account, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why I can't just use certain Bitcoin app because they're relying on that banking infrastructure that I don't have any account with. There were all these little monetary kingdoms, right? There's the Eurozone, there's Japan, there's uh, Mexico, you know, all the different currencies of the world Remove the borders, forget about the ge geographical borders of all those places, and just imagine they were all Bitcoin islands, right? These places in your mind. Well, to go between any one of those was very challenging. And up until 2008 or January 2009, whichever you want to start at, they were all roughly the same, and it was by design. And then one day, this new island popped up in the middle of the ocean that said, we don't care who you are or where you're from or any of that, everyone's welcome on this island. So any of those other islands that start acting up, your people could leave. You better act right. And so I would argue that this nationalizing of the banks is that you better act right. Because if they hadn't insured everyone's deposits, everyone would have pulled their money out of the banks. Mm -hmm. And as we all see, Silicon Valley Bank didn't have it. None of them have it. None of them have it. So if enough panic hits the market and everyone goes to whatever bank they're using and says, give me my money, someone's going to be at the end of the line not getting their money because it's not there. So what a state for the world to be in um, when our son arrived. I mean, I've been thinking about that at night <laughs> when I'm like sitting there holding him and watching some of this stuff on television. And because I've been in Bitcoin for a while, like, these things aren't crazy to me. They're just finally happening. But it's wild that I can watch all the banks in America be casually nationalized and just be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like, this was, this was this inevitable. Is, this is inevitable, right? So... And to kind of, like, bring our relationship into it, right? Mm -hmm. So when we first, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when we first started dating, you know, you made a statement about um, we shouldn't have all these different airlines, uh, yeah, no, I said that we should have a public option for air travel. Well, that's that's a little uh, <laughs> retconning what you actually said. What you said was, which I, I always remembered, is that... And you were like, this girl, she's she's got some ideas. <laughs> you basically implied that, you know, the airline should operate like Amtrak. There's only one rail line in this country. It's Amtrak. Mm -hmm. And you said that... Because all these airlines were crashing at the time. It was like the airlines were going out of business and stuff like that, which they always are mm -hmm. because fundamentally they're not sustainable entities. Mm -hmm. You were like, this is dumb. Like, we should just have one national airline and like get rid of this price gouging and all of them. Like, whatever. Yada, yada, yada. It's not important. But And it should just cost what it costs. And it shouldn't be like a different price depending on demand and those types of things. I was sure, sure, saying, sure. Like, I don't have how much the fuel is to go here. Like, that's just how much it should cost. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Now, obviously, I just looked at you like you were crazy, and like that's a crazy idea. Um, but you love crazy chicks. It's <laughs> the only kind they make. Um, you were like, I'm gonna put a baby in her one day, <laughs> and he did. <laughs> but the idea is that. Like, fundamentally, like, competition is bad. Because that's what's happening when these airlines get into these bad spots. Is like, somebody with a pile of money is just going to outcompete. In industries with a very high barrier to entry, mm -hmm. yeah, competition's horrible. Okay. So, the banking industry, it's harder to open a bank than mm -hmm. it is to open an airline. Yeah. Okay. So, they just nationalized the banks. 2008, they established that there's only four banks that you should really bank with. 
you can bang with these other ones if you want to, but we're only going to really protect these four. So you could argue that 2008 was the do your research and say, if my money's not in one of those big four that are too big to fail, my money might not be safe. I just think that America has become this place where we create these crises that wipe out all the competition. Mm-hmm. And someone is just left with like, well, now I yeah. am the only bank. Yeah, I've or, been decided. I've been chosen. Right. Yeah. So with me, like sitting there holding Keon, watching all this stuff happen, it's like he's going to live in a world where all of these different banks just don't exist anymore. When you go to open a bank account when he's like a teenager, I highly doubt that there's going to be a bunch of choices. Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those big four. And it probably those big four will end up merging and it'll probably be one of two, mm-hmm. right? Because that's Coke or Pepsi, mm-hmm. right? Standard oil. He went through and bought up all the oil. Like, that's just how America works. It's like, it's a place where if you play the game, you can be the monopoly. The government then comes in and decides who the monopoly is because the people who are playing the game bought the government mm-hmm. to ensure that they became the monopoly. I think that what Bitcoin does is say, you're never going to really break up monopoly what you can do is create a new game where it's impossible to monopolize and if you understand how bitcoin works that's how you can compete against monopolies like i saw this guy who tweeted something yesterday the reason why we need bitcoin is so that the next time they try to shut everything down we still have a way to conduct commerce because people were getting penalized financially like bank accounts were getting shut for not complying with COVID rules. So like crisis, if you don't comply with the rules, we shut off your ability to transact. Yeah, Kanye lost access to his money when he started, well... Being Kanye. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say having a manic episode, but But yeah. Kanye should be allowed to be Kanye and, I mean, and still be able a, to buy but, Doritos, right? I mean, I don't know if I've talked about this on the pod, but like he, he has manic episodes and he, instead of like having compassion for his mental health issues people want to penalize him when it's it's crazy it's or they it's, want to stick a microphone in his yeah face. he's a person with a disability and yeah. he's being treated like a villain i don't you know and mm. he literally has lost access to his bank account because of it right but at the same time you know if kanye had all his money in bitcoin he could say whatever he wants exactly he can have so, all the manic episodes he wants without consequences so like it should be the the right of any individual <laughs> i think that like this world that he's being born into or that he's been born into is going to be very, very different um, because, which is a bunch of other stuff that happened that I won't even get into with you, you know, your first, your first episode back. Thanks, Dave. Um, Thanks for being gentle with me. Um, but one thing I will say is that the like president or CEO of the Bank of International Settlements which is like a bank that sits on top of all of the central banks of the world. This guy came out and said, we won against crypto and or Bitcoin. It just begs the question, so you knew there was a fight, huh? right? Yeah. So this guy came out and made a statement that was like, we've defeated this alternative system. But the system's still there. Yeah. And it's growing. So... It's almost like they shot themselves in the foot and just said the quiet part out loud, which is, we really are trying to shut this thing down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, George Bush laying on an aircraft carrier, mission accomplished, and now we're going to have 15 more years of Afghanistan.
birth of our firstborn child and this SVB bank crash um, all leads up to Noru's, which is tomorrow, first day of spring. Yeah, you know, the uh, the scientific holiday. Yeah, the, the real new year. The earthly new year. Yeah, so I'm really excited. I was actually just talking to my sister about it, and she asked, you know, are we going to give 80 to Kion? 80 is when you give money to kids um, for Noru's. And I was like, oh, Ian can give Kian Bitcoin. Yeah, we're just going to start stacking it up yeah. for Yeah, so how do we give Kian Bitcoin? How do we, like, record that we've given him Bitcoin? How the- should one give their child Bitcoin as 80? I mean, for someone who's less than a month old, yeah. um, I mean, you could just mentally give them Bitcoin, right? Yeah, but I'm thinking, you know, for other parents who might want to do it for their kids, um, older kids. But if you want to hand it out, you know, like we talked about this kind of before we went on break, is a SATS card, mm-hmm. right? So I, we got those delivered and I set it up. We haven't given it to your cousin yet, but like, mm-hmm. you know, I loaded My it cousin's son, who we were going to give the SAT card to, has the same birthday as our son, which is crazy. He's 13 years older <laughs> than Keon, but they have the same birthday. So it's crazy how life works out. Yeah, maybe that's that's how we uh, we picked his birthday. Like, oh, we're giving him a birthday present, which is Bitcoin. Ah, I want some Bitcoin too. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I heard you were giving out presents. Yeah. Um, but I think the stats card is like the easiest way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I put some Bitcoin on there and like I played with it a little bit just to see how how it works. It's very simple. Um, it does require uh, uh, like a, a smartphone with a camera. Um, which doesn't require, it's just the easiest way to do it. To see the balance that's on the card, you need a computer or some sort like that. But because it's a it's a plastic card, it's kind of easy to like store, you know? But it's not it's not all the responsibility of Bitcoin yet. So oh. it's not like private keys and, and hardware wallets mm-hmm. and strike accounts and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's just if you have a smartphone, you scan the QR code, it goes, there's X amount of sats. Yeah. Right. And so a lot of people use those uh, where they don't even really transfer the Bitcoin. You can just scan it, show that it's on there, and hand it to someone, mm-hmm. like a dollar bill. So like if you load Sats cards up with like denominations, like I got, I have like 10 cards that have like 100,000 Satoshis on them, mm-hmm. 10 cards with a million Satoshis on them, 10 cards with like 10,000 Satoshis on them. If you had like denominations like that and you just kept them on you, you could buy stuff in the world. Like how much is that? Oh, it's... Eight something, you know, it comes out to like 8,000 Satoshis. Here's a 10,000 Satoshi card. Boom. Mm -hmm. Keep the change. Yeah. There's no transaction. There's no, we need electricity. There's no network required, right? It's just like, this is a physical. like a paper money. (laughs) Exactly. And so, like, that's fundamentally, so that the company that makes the SATS card, um, they make that open dime and they make hardware wallets. Mm -hmm. Like, they look very Mm techie, right? They're not about aesthetics. They're about functionality. Mm Um, but I truly believe that that company, CoinKite, I truly believe if they keep on the tear that they are on, they're going to have like the best suite of products for like living a Bitcoin life. Like you're going to like they already sell like bundles, but I think it's called like the Uncle Jim bundle. I don't know why it's called Uncle Jim, but like it comes with like hardware wallets, um, like, you know, metal plates to like put your your key in. Um, it's just like a package that you could buy mm-hmm. and just as they keep building more stuff they just add to what that package yeah, is that's right? nice so, so that's a nice service they provide so CoinKite is really good um the guy who runs that he's a really smart guy he's on twitter and, and nostra and 
Um, I think he's in Nostra Rica right now, or Nostrica, however you want to say it. Those Sats cars, now that I've touched them and played with them, I highly recommend them. And like I said a couple episodes ago, like we haven't done it, but you know you can get custom-made Sats cars. You can print whatever you want on the cover of the card. So I think hopefully this year we get like some flirting with Bitcoin yeah um sats cards i hope so too and then you know just load them up with like maybe ten thousand satoshis and like right now that's like two bucks i guess no it's more than that because it's going up (laughs) it's like three bucks you just hand them out yeah well definitely give one to can tomorrow i gotta load one up yeah like i said like you could just set it aside and just have an envelope that's like oh here's all the yeah. 80s you got when he finally under is like cognizant of the world exactly and hopefully at that point like really you gave me like you know let's just say like 100,000 satoshis right it's like you gave me 100,000 satoshis that's crazy it's like a car yeah. you know it's like well back Aww. then it was only eight dollars now i hope so you're not gonna believe what happened the day I you were born because so. <laughs> <laughs> literally they still like valley bank crashed yeah. I was in the hospital. Like, I'll pay attention to that later. <laughs> well, I just want to thank our listeners um, for being patient with us. I want to thank our listeners for missing us. Uh, it is kind of a trip uh, to be recording again because it feels like we're in this pocket bubble, I don't know, in our basement right now where it's before we had a kid, even though our baby's upstairs <laughs> with my sister <laughs> while we record. It's fun to do something that we were doing pre-baby. And I do think that we'll keep this going. Um, Ian has long nights where he has to watch Kian while he sleeps. So I'm sure that'll be when you, you know, work on the episodes and post it and all that fun stuff. So you don't need too much of my time to still get this done, right? Yeah, I just need to rec- I need you to record. Yeah, you need me to record. And I'm better. It's hard. Guys, having a baby is hard. <laughs> but I, I feel better every single day. We're taking it easy. Ian and I, uh, well, Ian calls it playing in hard mode. We do not play life in hard mode. So we didn't want to push ourselves until we were ready but I've been ready to record and so today was a good day for us to do it and I'm happy that we're gonna hopefully get this episode out for Noru's is that the idea babe uh yeah I'm gonna work on this tonight yeah I probably won't sleep because Keon probably ain't gonna sleep get this out tomorrow and get back on our Monday morning episode yeah Uh, cycle you know we're back yeah and for those who don't know um the first day of spring is the first day of the persian new year it lasts two weeks and it's really fun and it's my favorite holiday and since ian and i have met it's his as well um and it's a holiday based on science yeah it's great it's great um but we are going to celebrate with my family and uh, eat a lot of yummy food and treats and love up on our baby. So life is great. I am going to thank you all in advance for the love I know you're going to send our way now that you know we had a baby. <laughs> and I hope this explains why I was so congested for so many months while we were recording because pregnancy congestion just like it got me. It got me from the beginning and everything I tried to do to sound better as I was recording like 
it just would not work. So I hope I sound better now. I'm still a little congested, but I hope to go back to my original recording voice that drew so many of you guys in. (laughs) In the beginning, when we would uh, air our episodes, people were like, wow, I really love your voice. And then as soon as I got pregnant, we never got that comment again. (laughs) You know that, right? (laughs) It's like, you don't even see me, but I'm, I'm, I am treated differently when I was pregnant. So... So do you have any final words um, about, you know, fatherhood, parenthood, three weeks in? How you feeling, babe? It's definitely a long-term game. <laughs> it's a very long-term game. It's just the beginning. Like last night, he was just not wanting to go to sleep. I felt myself getting a little frustrated. And then I just was like, there's no guarantee you're going to go to sleep ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you felt? No, but it's like, it's... It's like getting getting frustrated in this moment. It's like, bro, you got like days, if not weeks, if not more months of this. You better figure out how to not get frustrated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I just kind of laughed, you know, and it's like, all right, what's what's wrong? And No, but it's, it's, as, it's as challenging as expected. It's definitely worth doing. It's definitely worth doing. I'm glad you feel that way because I think this is the easy part. I don't know, man. I don't think so. You think it's only going to get easier from here? I think that, and this is probably just my like hippie brain, I think that who he is and how he is right now is how he's always going to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's frustrating that he doesn't want to sleep or he doesn't want to do something. But fundamentally, it's like if I could just have him tell me what that was, it would be a lot easier. Even if it was in broken English, it would be a lot easier. Broken English because he's speaking Farsi. <laughs> no, broken English like if he's baby like talk. baby talk, <laughs> yeah. right? Like when you when like I hear he, broken English, I think it's a foreigner speaking. No, <laughs> like I, he is half foreign. <laughs> I mean, broken English like he only knows one word, which is like nah, rage at the top nah. of his lungs. A less chill person. I feel like I'm a very chill yeah. person. A less chill person would have a baby screaming in their face and probably not be able to handle it, right? Or freak out or that'd be very anxiety inducing for them. But for me, it's like, I know you're just trying to tell me something. That's all I, that's all I hear. And it's like, I hope that this is the thing that you're trying to tell me. So like what he, he doesn't like being wet, right? So like when I'm changing his diaper and he's screaming at the top of his lungs, I'm just like, I know, buddy. But once, once it's like that, that second, whatever, piece of tape is like taped down and he stops crying, I'm like, okay, that's what it was? Cool. But at no point am I like, oh my God, I can't deal with a crying baby. Like I've never, I haven't had that feeling and he's cried very hard in my face. I know, you get the worst of it. So like, He's so sweet to his mama. He's so harder for, on you. So for me, I just feel like, I don't know if it'll get easier, but I think once I'm able to actually communicate with him back and forth, I think it will be easier. So, so like... I mean, it's different, easy, different, hard, but I think once he is mobile, it's going to get hard. The fact that we can put him down and he doesn't move, I'm just enjoying. Because it's not... He's going to be rolling sooner than later. That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, so we had a baby. But we're back. We're back, baby. 